Welcome to the Midlands Young Life Podcast. Here, we hope to post talks from our leaderships, leader weekends, and much, much more. I hope these talks will encourage you to grow deeper in your faith with Christ and make Him known in your community. Well, y'all get the privilege from hearing from Kelly Miller and Rick Palmer through a seminar about discipleship. Hope this gives you some tools as you begin to walk with high schoolers and middle schoolers in their relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. about discipleship and vision I mean this is such a key part of our walks with the Lord I mean it applies to young life sense for sure but just in a greater sense like this is our calling as followers of Christ is to make disciples and these two key pieces of how do you do that vision goes right along with that and it's something that can be learned it's something that can be developed um, for your life personally for your school that you lead at for our world that we live in like this is something that we hope we can apply vision to all of those different places um, so that we can keep growing and knowing that we're taking people somewhere um, as we're leading them. And so just to kind of kick it off, like when you guys hear discipleship and vision, those words, like what are some either phrases, things that come to mind that you think of? Yeah. When I hear vision, I think of where we want to go. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Discipleship, I think of like leadership. Leadership, for sure. Friends. Friends, yeah. Life on life. Life on life, for sure. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Multiplying. Multiplying, that's great. Just a great commission. Yes. Matthew 28, go make disciples, for sure. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, what we're going to look at today is Jesus' model for the way that he did things. Um, and here's here's a common misconception, I think, in what discipleship is. And I think I came into leading in college with this idea of, like, the end goal was for me to get a group of girls to meet uh, in Ohio. It was this place called Tim Hortons. I don't know if anybody's in there. But it's, like, this little coffee shop, bakery place. Like, when I get my Friday morning Bible study at Tim Hortons, like, my discipleship group, like, I've, like, made it as a young life leader. And that kind of felt like the goal. Um, and that really is not the design for how this is. It's not a once a week meeting that we get together and we open the word. Like that is a part of it for sure. And we hope there are moments that you're doing that. But it is this, like Luke said, this life on life, this togetherness, this witness. That's like we are spending time together knowing that people are going to be picking up on who we are all the time. And so discipleship really begins when you meet somebody. Whether that's young life kids, that, whether that's roommates, whether that's coworkers. Like, as soon as you interact with someone, your life is reflecting what you value, and people are starting to pick up on that. So it's really important that we're aware of, like, hey, people are looking and watching and following, and so the, the way that we talk to them, the way that we live, is communicating what we're about. Um, and here's another truth. Like, people and, and kids in general that we're talking about in our setting, like, they are desperate for someone to lead them somewhere, for someone to model, for someone to lean into their lives and be bold with them and ask them questions. And so I know uh, as we sent out that um, RSVP for this weekend, a lot of the responses and why we kind of crafted the seminar this way was a lot of leaders are saying, man, like, I feel like I've, I've done what I can do, like earning the right to be heard. I've showed up in the world. I've been there. I've done that. How do I, like, actually cross the bridge? Like, we know that that's an important piece is to show up in the world for them to trust us, but we don't want to be leaders that at the end of the day we walk away and we're like, man, we never feel like we really took kids anywhere. We were just buddies with them all the time. They don't need another friend. Like, they need someone to 
help them grow and develop. And so um, here's a couple questions that would be great for you to write down and kind of think through your relationships with middle school, high school kids, and think through, hey, does this feel like this is where I'm living? Um, big picture discipleship, like are we developing and cultivating a faith that will last a lifetime in our disciples? This isn't something we just want to go on for a couple years as they're through high school, maybe they become a young life leader, and then it drops off. Like we want this to be a thing where we are an instrumental part of them starting to grow in this thing that will last them forever. Just like Pat is saying, like that you are gonna live by faith and die by faith of like, I'm more convinced than ever um, as they continue to grow up. Another good question to ask, like are we making many versions of ourselves or true followers of Christ? And this is a funny one because it's, it's, it's okay if sometimes the people that hang out with you start to maybe talk like you or, or dress like you, act like you, like that's a fun thing and it's honestly a form of flattery they want to be like you, but if that's the goal that we're like, okay, how can I get, you know, 15 little Kellys running around AC floor, that's not helpful for anyone. But if my goal is, man, how can I get more people that are followers of Christ, and yes, I'm a part of that, but I just don't want them to make many versions of myself, like that is the goal that we're going for. And then a third <laughs> question and Rick's going to get to touch on this one a little bit later, but have we learned a language of both affirmation and correction to build up our disciples? feels like a lot of times we can live in this place, again, in this friend zone of like, I'm going to affirm, I'm going to affirm, affirm, like build them up, encourage them. We want that for sure. But there is a place where we need to step in and say, hey, like, you need to pay attention to this. And we know that that's okay because that's the way that Jesus was with his people. Um, and so one of the tools that we're going to give you as you leave, um, you may have seen it before, but Young Life has this image called the Leadership or Discipleship Tree. Young Life Africa started using this ministry there. If you guys look up, it has blown up in the continent of Africa. It's really cool. Um, and this idea of down here, the roots, is kind of thinking about my life. Like, who are the three people that are pouring into me? Who are the people that are I can come to saying, I need help, I need encouragement, I need somebody to study the word. Like, those would be the people there. And then if we have this attitude of, like, now let's find my three. Who are my three on USC's campus? Who are my three at AC Flora? And then if each person off that branch develops their three, like the method, and this is Jesus' design, like the discipleship, it grows, and this tree grows fast. But a lot of the times we operate in the sense of, okay, maybe you feel like, hey, I'm the only girl leader at my high school. Like I just need to do the best I can with these 20 girls. But we know like those relationships aren't going to be very deep. Um, but if we can focus on a few, that then they focus on a few, then they focus on a few, the impact is way greater than if we try to handle all that and it just ends up being shallow, surfacey relationships. So um, we're gonna let you take that home and it'd be a fun thing to kind of dream about with your team of like, where's the impact gonna shoot out from all of the disciples that you're making who are then making disciples? Because that's the goal, like in a test of like, if someone actually is disciples, they have a heart to now they are gonna make disciples themselves. So um, we're gonna be looking at Peter's life a lot tonight and Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends. Um, and so Rick's gonna kick us off talking about the way that Jesus spoke into Peter's life and what he saw. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate that. Oh, and let me know, man, because y'all know I get a little, you know what I'm saying? I get excited. <laughs> Pull me in. Um, but, but first of all, uh, Kelly and I were in an uh, Old Testament class, and, and, and the professor was talking about God's sovereignty, right, and then human responsibility. Uh, and he was talking about, hey, absolutely, like, God is sovereign. He can do it all by himself, for himself, too. Like, he can do all of that. But there's a place where human responsibility comes in at. 
And so even with this very subject right here, in terms of, man, how do I go to a school and create vision and disciple? Like, okay, Lord, you can do it all, but what is, what is our part in this? And so the first thing I, I want to tell you is that you absolutely have a part, and that part is vital, right? And so because God has said, hey, you know what? I want to use you. He wants to use us to create and develop missionaries at the local middle school, at the local high school, right? And so there's this idea like, okay, Lord, like, I need to have an idea of, of what you're doing in my friend's life. Like, and so the first question that I would even ask you, especially as it comes to, we're going to talk about vision first, like how much time do you spend praying for the people that you hang out with? Like, how, how much time do you actually, like, literally spend, uh, man, just trying to figure out, okay, Lord, man, this is my friend. You fill in the blank. Like, Lord, what are you doing in their lives? Like, what, what are you doing in his or her life? How can I be a part of that? How can I push them towards the thing that you have called them to do? Because, for instance, like, you know in Young Life, we have the five C's, and we kind of master those. We know how to do it. We know how to remember names. We know how to do clothes. Like, we know all of those things. And, of course, that gives us, uh, like, a, a runway. They, they, they give, like, the workbook gives us parameters, like, how to do it. But then all of a sudden, we come into a specific real person, and we're like, oh, wait a minute. Like, the five C's are a little too general. Like, I need to know what to do with him, or I need to do with her. So, for instance, uh, Jesus steps on the scene, and you know Jesus wants to create those who would follow him. Uh, but then all of a sudden, he meets a guy by the name of Simon. And I talk about it all the time, but he gives Simon the name Peter, um, which actually is kind of pointing towards Peter's future. When Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, come follow me, Peter Jesus is doing a fascinating thing is that he's saying, hey, I, I actually want you to come follow me to figure out <coughs> your life. Like, for instance, if it, if it ends here, hey, come follow me so we can have more people in club. Hey, come follow me so that campaigners can be great. Or, or come follow me so that we can do this young life thing in the high school. That's a very limited vision. And so what Jesus was doing was he was pointing, he was coming, calling Peter and pointing towards the future and saying, hey, man, guess what? Like, come follow me as we figure out the awesome and amazing adventure that the Lord has for you. Will you come? Man, that totally changes the context. Like, that, that totally changes the high school or the middle school's kid's life when you're inviting them into the adventure of figuring out God's will for their life. That changes everything because now there's this fascination that goes beyond just doing, like Kelly was just saying, the young life thing. And so, of course, Peter's like, first of all, you're calling me this weird name. Why are you doing that? And then second of all, you're asking me to follow you. Well, where are you going? That exact same invitation should be on the inside of us. Why? Because we are constantly going before the Lord. Hey, Lord, man, what do you have for my friend? What are you speaking into their lives? What are you saying unto them? I always ask our leaders uh, when we get together to do area meetings, I'll say, man, how many people do you think are praying for our kids? Like, how many people do you think are literally having conversations about their future or standing in the gap and praying for them and seeking the Lord for them? And I always tell them, hey, man, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's very few. 
And so all of a sudden we have an opportunity to stand there and say, okay, Lord, what is it? What is the next step? And so I'll say, first of all, in, in reference to creating vision and discipling them in that vision, then there has to be something that you're doing as far as saying, okay, Lord, here's my friend. Like, can you help me and help us figure out what is next? What am I inviting them into? And how can I like, like invite them into this adventure of figuring you out as they figure life out for themselves? So I'm sorry, and Kelly, you can yeah. go into the next one. Yeah. No, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I think the really fun piece of this, the, the praying, feeling like, okay, God's giving me some answers for like what I can see in them. It's a really fun thing to communicate that to them. And here's something I think that gets lost a lot of times because I think leaders possess vision, but I don't think a lot of times it gets to that place where kids hear it verbally from you to them what you see in them. And sometimes that can be maybe it's a little bit awkward at first, uncomfortable. Maybe you feel like, hey, our relationship hasn't been that deep yet. But, man, we're giving them a disservice if we're not letting them hear our prayer about them and what we see in them. Because it's a really cool moment when you get to sit like right across the table from a kid, look them in the eye and say, I know this is where you feel like you're at, but this is what I see you could be. Like, man, the Lord has told me this about you. Like, I really feel like your life could be different than the way that you've always thought. These are some ways that I really feel like he could use you. Now, I've got to have some fun conversations with girls that I'm like, people are already following you. Like, they flock to you. They want to be around you. You're going to be leading people somewhere for the rest of your life. Like, what if you were leading them to the feet of Jesus? Like, how does that change the trajectory of everything? All of your actions are different if that's your motivation. And it's a really fun thing because, like Rick said, like, a lot of times kids don't have people that are speaking to them that way. And so what a gift that we get to have those conversations and dream and communicate and look them in the eyes and say, I believe this could be true for you. Um, and so here's a couple practicals of like, and Jesus did this. He invited people along. He handpicked, selected them. And it wasn't this thing where the, sometimes the disciples, you know, you could see them elbowing, like saying, who's the greatest, you know, one out of us. Like, but for the most part, it was like, it was okay that Jesus had three that had this intimate, special friendship that they got to get pulled behind the curtain for a lot of things. And I know that can be our fear sometimes if we're like, well, what about the rest? It's like, it doesn't mean we forget about them, but it's okay to go deep. Um, and so we want to look for kids. We say this in Young Life a lot, the fat kids, faithful, available, teachable. Like, who are the kids that you're looking around there? Like, they've been at everything this year. Like, I don't even have to invite them. They're showing up. Who are the available ones that you're like, when I ask them to spend time together, they don't have a million reasons for that, why they can't. And teachable, like, this is key. A kid that's going to be leaned in, that is eager to grow. Maybe they don't even know the Jesus aspect yet, but you're like, they are they're searching and they're wanting more. Those are great people to start um, identifying as like, hey, maybe they're ready for more. Look for kids that are already following you. A lot of us have people that you're like, hey, that this person like is drawn to me. Like we, we're we're vibing, but like we haven't really spent a lot of time yet. Like look for people that like they're bought in, and you don't even really know why. And then move to where a God is already at work. Like that's when the prayer discernment comes in. That you're like, well, what did you already started to do? Like help me capitalize on that. Um, when we communicate that vision to kids for what we see for them, it allows for them to commit and say, I want a part of that too. This is where a lot of leaders get frustrated, and there have been a lot of leaders that have done that, like, hey, we started a Bible study in this morning. Um, these kids are going to come, and then four weeks in, it's like two out of the ten came. Um, and they're like, man, why aren't they coming? And it's because the, do they really understand your vision for that time? Like, what it is that you see, that why that's going to be fruitful, why it's going to be important for them? Are you saying, hey, I'm inviting you to this. Do you want to be a part of this? 
a question I would ask if you say, hey, I'm discipling this so-and-so person, I would say, do they know that? Do they know that that's what your relationship is? Um, because when they say, yes, I want that, it leads to a bigger level of accountability because you'd say, hey, remember that conversation we talked about, like, what this was going to look like? We're going to do life together. We're going to talk about real things. It's going to mean we're both going to come in and be vulnerable. Like, when they're not holding up their end of the bargain, it lets you circle back to this initial conversation. Say, remember, like, you wanted this too. Um, and again, like, you may be the first person to speak into their life and don't, like, undermine how valuable that conversation may be. Like, I have such vivid memories of my area director in college, Greg, who led on my team, like, pulling me aside, me and the first person that ever said, like, hey, I think you could do this for a long time, Kelly. Like, this is where I really see you gifted. And I was a leader in college who, like, flew under the radar. Like, there's probably people in leadership who are like, yeah, that person's going on staff. That person, like, I would have never been the person they would have said, like, she's going to go on staff and still be on staff at this point. Um, but Greg was one that was, like, constantly, like, giving me bits of vision of, like, this is where I see you thrive. This is where I see you come alive. Like, let's talk about that. Let's think about that. Let's, let me help you develop these places. And that has stuck with me um, a lot of years later. So you can map out, like, how this can happen and share it with them. And then your interactions with them reflect that vision. It's in the back of your mind as you're thinking through, like, okay, let's do the, let's experience adventure together. How can I, like, be speaking truth in them? Like, this is kind of guiding your friendship with them. Um, one thing that's important to know is that we're inviting kids to this type of relationship that we're not saying it's this overnight transformation and now there's no room for failure and, and mess-ups. Um, and we think about that with Peter. Um, when, like, Peter can, I mean, he has, was such a key part of starting the early church. Rick's going to talk about that. But, like, before he got to that point, we were talking the other day, we were like, a lot of Peter's stats, like, before Jesus was resurrected, like, his highlights were, like, these big failures um, that people kind of know him as. You think of in Matthew 14, like, he says, Lord, like, let me come to you on the water. It's this really cool interaction. He takes his eyes off Jesus, and he sinks. And Jesus is like, why did you doubt? You know, Mark 8, Jesus talking about the cross and the resurrection. Hey, this is necessary to happen. And Peter rebukes Jesus. And it's where the famous uh, scripture comes from where he yells and says, get behind me, Satan. That was to Peter. Um, John 18, Peter, you know, cuts off the soldier's ear the night that Jesus was um, arrested. Um, denies him three times. Like, these are moments where you're like, man, that's not really what you want to be known for. But the cool thing is that Jesus... <laughs> consistently pursues, spends time with him, invites him in. It wasn't like, three strikes, Peter, you're done. Like, you had your chance. I saw this in you, but I must have been wrong. It's like, continue to spend time with me, and let's continue to grow. He kept bringing him into the fold of things. He kept getting to be with him in the room while he's performing miracles. I imagine those conversations were so fun at the end of the day when they're like, what did we just get to see? Um, Life on life is thrown out there. That's such a key part of, like, it is this togetherness, this witness, um, this thing of, like, how can we just overlap in everything that we're doing? The most successful young life leaders that I see, the people that make it for the long haul are people that say, I'm okay with the lines being blurred for, like, my personal life and leading. If we try to compartmentalize it too much, like, if we never want those to touch, it's going to be really hard to experience this life on life community. And don't hear me that like there should never be boundaries. Kids should be hanging out with you 24-7. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying we can look for ways to integrate them into what we're already doing and infiltrate their world and what they're already doing. You know, like calling a girl and be like, I know I have to grocery shop for this next hour. Do you want to come walk around Publix with me while I do this? That's like life on life. We're going to have conversations. 
You know, a girl's going prom dress shopping with her friends. I'm like, hey, can I come with you guys? A, a day that like they're going to be hearing all these insecurities and lies about who they are and what they need to look like on that night. Like I get to speak into that. So some of it is also the boldness of like saying, can I come? And just like that being a, a thing that you are constantly in their world and they're in your world. Kids are studying in high school. You're studying in college. A lot of you. Let's meet up at the library on campus and let's work together and we'll have conversations with them. Like when those lines can get blurred of like we're overlapping as much as we can it allows for this natural conversation to happen and then get to get to see okay this is the leader like in how they are outside of the young life setting they're getting to see who you really are um as you're doing life together they're getting to experience spiritual disciplines you want to set them up to feel confident in what that looks like um, on their own and they're interacting with and developing their own christian community some of them that may be a really foreign thing so if they don't have that it's this dream of like how can we help create that with them? And how can we help dream for what their school can be like? Um, a really fun story was our last school that we led at in uh, outside of Charlotte, Lake Norman is known as like crazy party culture, like a lot of high schools, but even more so with the lake and everything there. And um, as I started hanging out with these girls, we started just talking about what if there was a different option on a Friday night? Um, then just like drugs and alcohol, like what if there was a group where it's like, man, we are spending time together, it's pure, it's fun, because it didn't really feel like that was a thing. Um, and so we started kind of walking together, and they met the Lord, and just like on fire for their school, and it was a really fun conversation, and a cool moment for me their senior year, when I got a call from Abby, one of the girls I'm super close to, and she said, hey, like, we want to do like an after prom party that's different this year. I want to invite everybody, we want you to come, Kelly, like, let's like figure out how to make this a thing where it's like people that don't want to be a part of that scene can come to. And it was this realization of like they had initiated that and this was starting to come to fruition of like a community centered around Christ where they're like let's invite people in and be about something different. And so these are fun conversations of stuff that matters um, that I got to go to Waffle House with them at 3 a.m. and go back and, and swim in Abby's pool and like all these kids that like I didn't even know but like it was a place where they were like, we want to have a heart to bring people in. And so fun things that you get to dream, and it's really fun when they catch the vision, and they're like, we want to be a part of this too. So you're up. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, and as, even as we continue to talk about, um, and I'll touch on some of the things that, that Kelly just talked about as she kind of gave a broad overview of, of the next phase of it. Um, I remember one time we were at Keenan, and uh, it's probably my second or third year of, of being on staff. And I remember they would have had a after school program and they would literally bring like 30 or 40 kids in club at one time. And so our club, we had like 70 kids in club and we all hated it. We were like, man, we hate this. And of course, as the air director, I'm like, no, no, we need to love it. Let's, let's bring them in. And my, all the leaders were like, no, we hate it. We're like, why do you hate it? We're like, because we don't know them, right? And so again, there's this yearning and this desire when you're in this to know, right? And to know how to lead and to know how to push. And as, as Kelly was talking about the, the invitation, like the invitation, like being able to invite um, high schoolers, uh, middle schoolers into this and giving them the opportunity to kind of see it as you're walking in relationship with them, right? And then she also talked about confrontation. So I want to talk about those two things and how they run parallel. Like for instance, uh, Jesus tells Peter, hey, come, like come, right? And Jesus was walking on the water. Uh, Peter, of course, being nervous, he thought it was a ghost. He eventually gets out of the boat, begins to walk. And we know the story. The waves come. Peter ends up being fearful. And uh, uh, Peter ends up like Jesus ends up <laughs> saving him, gets back into the boat. And Jesus says, oh, ye little faith. And, and what's so powerful about that is, is exactly what Kelly was just saying. And that is 
but Jesus was inviting him into something different. Now, now, did Peter mess up because he lacked faith, or did Peter not respond the way that, that Jesus wanted him to respond? Absolutely. But what you see is Jesus was inviting him and correcting him pretty much all at the same time. And to be honest with you, life as a young life leader is going to look exactly like that. You can't have one without the other. Right? And so Peter's saying, hey, well, Jesus was saying, hey, Peter, I'm inviting you into something that's going to stretch your faith and give you greater faith. Because remember, <laughs> I am calling you Cephas. I am calling you Peter. And I am pushing you and preparing you for that day. So even as I'm calling you out of the boat, I'm thinking about that day. Remember, as a young life leader, I have to figure out, Lord, like, what do you have for them? And Lord, you are giving me the privilege of being able to help them get there. So even when Peter was walking on water and failed, Jesus was thinking, I'm getting you to be the rock. And so now Peter, all of a sudden, Jesus says, oh, you have little faith. And it's like, oh, he didn't yell at him. Like, I can't believe you. Why did you do that? And he didn't stop inviting him. He continued to invite Peter, James, and John, Peter specifically, further and further into his life and continued empower, empowering him. Uh, now let's talk a little bit about confrontation because I know this is the hard part. Now, I will, I will be honest with you. I'm 42 years old, so I don't think about it as much. Like when I see a high school kid doing something stupid, I'm saying, stop doing it. That's stupid. Right? And you're like, Rick, I don't have that leverage. I'm only 20. Right. So I get it. So listen to what I'm saying. Uh, uh, please understand and know I know I have an advantage. Right. I always talk about the fact that when I'm hanging out with kids, they already know like they get a, like a parent hanging out with them. But I do want to give you the liberty and help you understand that you have to go there. If you only have a friendship without a vision, that's what everybody else is giving them in the high school. If you're only giving them a soft landing space or giving them the opportunity to kind of walk and continue doing what they're doing and not saying anything at all. And, and let's be honest, this is the place in Young Life where it gets really tough. It gets really difficult. But I will tell you this. If you're going to have a vision and we're going to create disciples, like discipline is a part of that. So we have to be able to speak in that in the way that is loving and the way that is careful, but we have to say it. And now, mind you, I'm not getting into behavior modification and saying, hey, we have to produce the perfect kid and they have to do all the things that I want them to do. Remember, I am talking about helping them and what God has called for them to do and what God desires for them. Like we're helping in that. So, so real quick, could you do me a favor? And I promise you won't take much time. Go to Luke chapter 22. Because we are inviting them into this thing that we call life. And they're drawing closer and closer into our lives as, we, as we're showing them God and showing them Jesus. But we're also saying, man, how, Rick, how do I confront and have hard conversations? Like I tell my guys all the time, hey, holding that pistol on social media is probably not a good thing to do. Real life, not joking. Yeah, that's probably not good. What you mean, Rick? What, you, what do you mean what I mean? That's, don't, like, don't do that, right? And then he's like, I, I didn't do anything. Yeah, okay, what? Anyway, um, do, do me a favor. Go to Luke chapter, what did I say, 22? 
Go to 2231 for me, please. And we're going to go back to talking about Peter, of course. <coughs> go to verse 31. Somebody read 31 through 34 for me. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Would that be a hard <laughs> saying for Jesus to say to Peter? Would that be hard? Why would that be hard? Why is that hard? Peter just like swore his allegiance to Jesus. He's like, yo, man, I promise you I won't fail you. Why else would that be hard? Because he sees the best in him. He absolutely sees the best in him, yes. Why else? They're friends. They're friends, <laughs> yes. Why else? I'm sorry, I'm putting the wrong person. Why else? <laughs> they don't want to discourage Peter. They don't want to discourage him. Man, how many times? Have you sat in a relationship with a high school kid, middle school kid, and you see the train wreck? I mean, you see it. I mean, it is so obvious that it's going to happen. Like, you know where this relationship is going to end up. You know where this friend group is going to end up. And we almost sit and watch and just kind of hope that it dissolves. We almost pray that it ends in a little bit of a train wreck, but it doesn't tear everything up. What if you position yourself like Jesus just to say it? What if you said it? Oh, I know why we don't say it. We don't want to offend them. If I say it, they'll stop hanging. Oh, I won't be cool anymore. Oh, well, they won't consider me cool. They won't hang out with me. They may not want to walk with me because I've, I've suddenly offended them. What I'll say to you is this. The gospel is offensive. The gospel unto itself is offensive. In the book of John, chapter 6, verses 66, this is right after Jesus gave all the disciples, all the people, a very hard saying. He's saying, yeah, you must eat of my, my, my flesh and drink of my blood. And he was talking. And then he turned to his disciples. He says, hey, will you guys leave me too? And Peter says, man, where will we go? You have the words to eternal life. This is what I'm asking you in reference to the high school and middle school kids that we're hanging out with. When are you going to give them a chance to follow Christ? What if you actually had the conversation and said the thing? Because what we do is this. We are protecting them from all that is hard, because again, the gospel is offensive, and we don't want to offend them, and we don't want to confront them, but you're actually robbing them from the opportunity of being disciples. It's like preaching a gospel with no cross. Like, even if they're high school, middle school, and, and, and they're walking and living and doing, the, like, whatever they're doing, like, at some point, you have to give them an opportunity to respond to it. And the question I'm asking you is, will you trust that? Will you stop trying to manipulate and manage every reaction you think they're going to give you? Because what if they responded with, man, I hate you. Leave me alone. 
but next week, man, you're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're right. What if they responded in a way that was actually fruitful and good for themselves and their growth in Christ? What happens if you never say it? What happens if you never say the thing that creates discomfort or makes it hard or makes it difficult? Well, they just kind of have to learn it. No. I, the Lord has allowed us the privilege and the opportunity of doing life with them and doing life with them. I'm telling you now, you've already earned the right. No one does what you do. There's no other organization who does what you do. There's no other people. Who, like, you've already earned the right. You've already been empowered. Say it. Jesus did not give Peter, Peter, he did not just affirm him and said, hey, great job. When Peter was doing the thing that was wrong or detrimental to the future because of that vision, Jesus would tell him, and again, in a loving way, I imagine, because if you look at this, how it's set up, I don't even imagine, I don't see Jesus yelling at him or rebuking him. I see in a loving, kind, compassionate way saying to him, hey, Peter, I see your future, man. Hey, this is, this is not good. But I want you to notice something. Listen to what he said in that. He said, um, he said, and Jesus said to him, I tell you, Peter, the, the rooster will crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. And, and then the scripture actually talk, talks about Jesus telling Peter, hey, but, but when you get strengthened again, hey, go back and encourage your brothers. Jesus wasn't just pointing out this moment where Peter would mess up, but he was saying, hey, man, but guess what? Man, there's, there's a lot of good in you. And, man, and you have it. Even in your lowest moments, I'm telling you, man, it is in you. And the two have to run parallel. The encouragement and, and inviting them in and also being able to say the thing that's offensive and difficult and or hard. You can jump in. I'm sorry. No, that's great. You good? Yeah. Um, I think just one thought I had, I think, I think part of me was like, okay, what does that actually look like? Like an instance, and I'm, I don't know, the first one that came to mind is, and I think sometimes this, this can be an awkward thing as a leader. Like what if you're somebody that you're discipling that's you're like, they're like, hey, I want to follow Jesus, but they're in this relationship that is really not glorifying. Like this is kind of an example I think of in my head of like, man, it, our temptation can be like, just come around them and support and, you know, like, yeah, it'll be good. And that, that person, whatever, you know, like try to keep hands off. But it's like that relationship, I'm sure if you went to past seminar, you probably talked a lot about this too, but like that is hurting you. You know, like, and so us, like, biting our tongue on some of that, like, when we think as a friend that's going to be doing the right thing, is really going to end up hurting them, too. And so I was, the only other thing I was thinking, as Rick was talking, and it's our own insecurity, I think, that stops us from, mm -hmm. from speaking up a lot of times. Um, and speaking about Jesus, but I really do think it's confusing to kids when we don't. Like, I think they know, like, hey, you're a young life leader. Like, you're about this. And they hear you speak at club, and they hear you lead a campaigner's talk. So if your one-on-one time with them is not, like, it's not a conversation about God and, like, who, like, everything about him and, and them and what they have to do with each other, then I think they leave, and they're probably, like, longing for more, too, and being like, why is that college leader hanging out with me if they're not going to bring this up? And so that would be another thing that I would say, don't let that stop you. The awkwardness, like, it's okay if we stumble as we, like, 
figure out how to verbalize some of this. Um, but I think, again, we're doing kids a disservice if we stop just because we're in our own heads about the way that they might receive it, the way that they might react to us. It's like we also have a responsibility to uphold our calling and what God said, go tell people about him. And so why stop just because we're scared? And I know that's easier to say than do, but um, just saying I think when kids have graduated and moved on, I don't have contact with anymore, them anymore. I'm always kicking myself to be like, I wish I would have had that conversation. It's never, man, I wish I didn't bring that up. It was like, man, I wish I would have gone deeper with them sooner so that we would have had time to continue to walk together. Um, so, yeah. I remember getting back from a camp a year and a half ago, not a year and a half ago, um, and on my way back from camp, there was a guy that I would hang out with named Quentin, and Quentin would be, I mean, he was at my house all the time. And on my way back from camp, a leader called me and said, hey, you heard about Quentin? And I was like, surely Quentin's gotten in trouble. What is it now? And she was like, he's, he passed. Like, he passed? What do you mean? She was like, yeah, he passed heart failure. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, are you serious? And what was so, so crazy to me was the fact that not only did Quentin hang out in my house, I mean, he was in my house all the, all the time. It's kind of like my son's best friend, basically. And even when Quentin arrived at camp and Mosaic, my son was there, Mosaic was walking Quentin around the campus or the camp and all the way into our, like, our bedroom. I was like, Mosaic, Quentin cannot be in here. Get him out of here. And, and so what I was saying to my mom when I told her about it, I was like, man, that's, that's, it, it, it tears my heart up. I was like, but, but one thing for sure is this. Quentin heard about Jesus from my mouth. And this kid was poor. He didn't have a lot of money. Now, of course, I, I could have entered in and just given him stuff, right? And of course, we did that. But one thing for sure is that Quentin knew that I wanted him to follow Jesus more than anything else. And that was the thing that I, that I rested on, knowing that, man, I had had conversations and, and asked him about the Lord. And I was kept thinking to myself, man, what if I had not? And he had been in my presence like all this time, right? So do me a favor. Go to the book of Acts because we're going to look at now that we're, we have a vision. We're walking with our high school friends. We're inviting them to go deeper and to go further. And I would even say, man, in reference to inviting them into, I invite them into, like allow them to do things at club, allow them to do things even at leadership. I, I, I bring them into the room so that they can see that you trust them and are giving them responsibility. Like, like really invite them into it. And so as we're inviting them into it, as we're creating the space of not only inviting them into it, but also creating space that we can confront certain things and have hard conversations. Because again, it's not really a friendship if you can't have hard conversations. And so now we're going to kind of see the end results of like what it would look like if we, in a loving and respectful way, again, had vision for them and wanted to disciple them. And so we're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And this is beginning at verse 37. And as we talked about Peter, remember the last big thing that Peter had done before Jesus goes to the cross was deny him. He literally denied him. Three times. His good friend, right? 
But remember, what Jesus said in Luke was that, hey, Peter, the enemy wants to sift you. He wants to come after you. But I'm telling you, man, but you will strengthen your brothers. And so now we go over to the book of Acts where Jesus is gone. Now he's resurrected. And so now we're going to look at what, what's going on with Peter now. Because, again, that was the last big thing we saw from Peter was him denying Jesus Christ, which goes back into what Kelly was saying earlier, is that even as we're doing this with our high schoolers and discipling them, they will not just do what we want them to do or always do the right things. But we are consistent in loving them. And so it says, oh, somebody read for me, 37 through 41. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who, who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there, and there were added the day about 3,000 souls. Hmm. I wonder what happens again when we're consistent. When we're consistent in holding the vision. We're consistent in bringing them in. We're consistent in the confrontation. Like, this is the fruit of Jesus actually being disciple. I'm sorry, Peter actually being discipled. Peter, I mean, failed miserably, but he had people in his life, I mean, Jesus specifically, who believed and trust and told him, hey, man, the day will come that you're going to be the rock. Like, and this thing is going to be built upon the teachings of the Lord, and you're going to be a huge part of that. And so now imagine Peter in this moment where he's standing there and he's talking and thousands of people decide to give their life to Jesus. Like thousands. And what I'll say to you is this, and this is especially why we have to understand that we can't keep this in this just a young life box because some of the, the, the fruit of your labor, you'll never see it. The guy that gave me my first Bible doesn't even know I'm a Christian. Like, you may not ever see the fruit of your labor. But when you walk into that school and you're connecting with the, with the friends that you have and praying to the Lord, what is it you will have me to speak to them and, and help them in? Again, it goes beyond young life. I always tell the story of Jared. Like, in high school, this dude did not care about Jesus. That's Jared standing right He's sitting right there. Yeah. <laughs> right? And his young life leader is in Charlotte. But the, but the, the seed that Nick, his leader, like, like laid out and laid down, like, this, 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 like Nick doesn't even watch and see Jared doing what he's doing. But Jared is leading at his old high school. But Nick was such, I mean, this, this guy would give you literally the shirt off of his back. Literally. I, it got to the point where I was like, Nick, stop giving him your clothes. <laughs> Like, he moved into their neighborhood. He moved into the, like, he wanted to be with them desperately. And when Jared decided to follow Jesus, Nick was nowhere around. But Jared always goes back and gives everyone an understanding, like, no, my, but my young life leader was Nick. And it's not even just my young life leader was Nick. Like, my friend was Nick. Like, and he showed it to me. And so when Jared got involved in young life, I'm like, man, there it goes. Like, Nick won't see this. What I'll tell you now is that you may not see it. 
But if the Lord entrusts you with a vision for our high school and college and middle school friends, it is our responsibility to raise them up in that. And, and, that, and, and that's an honorable place and space to be. But, but you have to trust, again, what the Lord may be doing in their lives through you. God is sovereign, but we have human responsibility. We have responsibility in this. And that is helping them live the life that Jesus Christ has called them to live. Go ahead. Um, the last thing I'll say along with that would just be to give them a shot at things. Like, um, you know, the disciples, like, no way they felt ready to do all that Jesus was like, all right, go on out. You know, I'm sending you out in twos. Like, they didn't feel qualified. They didn't feel like they had all the training before, but it's this on the go, like, let's figure it out. Like, I always just think and dream about, like, what it's like for the disciples at the end of the day to come back together and be like, what did you just get to be a part of today? Did you see that? Like, guess what I saw? And it's this, like, attitude of celebration. Like, I can't believe we got to be a part of this. And so I just say, like, figure out ways to bring your high school, middle school friends along where they get to have those light bulb moments. And some of them are going to be like, yeah, I really fell short in that today. And you get to process that. And some of them are going to be like, man, what? That was insane. But, like, I just got to see that. It's a really beautiful thing. And so give them chances to step out um, and help celebrate with them small victories and big ones. You know, I think um, – Practically, like, the hierarchy at the high school feels so um, divided. Seniors versus freshmen. And, you know, we tell our campaigners this all the time. Like, what if that shifted that, like, you guys didn't hate the freshmen that had to sit up in the top of the student section at the football game? Like, my dream is that our campaigners group, all ages, would be in the freshman section and not participate in that hierarchy of, like, we hate them. Like, it's my, it's my pet peeve when literally sophomores are like, freshmen are the worst. And I'm like, that was you one month ago, you know? Like, um, so I think just, like, giving them chances to, like, come with me and do this. On the first day of school at floor when I was with some of the sophomore girls, and they initiated, hey, let me go introduce you to some of the freshmen that I know that sit over in this isolated area. I was like, yes, like, that's awesome. And I got to build them up and be like, that is so cool that you guys would initiate that with me. And skip your own lunch with your friends to introduce me to them. Like, that's huge. Like, those things added up. Like, they will matter and they will remember. And then the cool thing is when they start initiating some of that on their own, you're like, man, like, light bulb moments are going off. And so this is the fun stuff to bring them in. Like, let them be with your team. Like, they're going to, like, catch on to so much um, by just getting to be in the room. And so just figure out ways and creative ways to, to let them behind the curtain, maybe before they feel ready or qualified, um, but it'll communicate that like, you believe in them. And it's that picture a lot of people say, like, we're holding the crown above their heads and letting them grow into it, saying, hey, this is, this is who you could be. I know you don't feel that, like you're there right now, but, like, you can take a step closer to that. And so this is a, a really fun part of entrusting ministry um, and saying, like, let's do this together um, and build this lifetime um, impact that they will get to operate. Like, again, we want this to not be a thing. Like Rick said earlier, this isn't about growing club. A lot of times it'll be a byproduct when true discipleship is happening, that there will be fruit. But that's not the end goal. The end goal is that we're going to raise them up to be godly fathers and mothers and husbands and wives, and that this next generation, they will have the same attitude of like, okay, now how can I do this to my own children? 
Um, so that we have to keep the big picture in mind too, and I love that like we're not going to get to see some of that, but we are getting to be a part of some of those conversations and moments that they are realizing like, hey, this matters, and this really is the true well like where where we can go to. Um, and so these moments with Peter, I do believe that Jesus was patient with him and was like, okay, you went this other way, but remember, I'm the one. And I think that really is our um, role with kids of like, okay, you strayed. Like if you've ever gotten a phone call from a kid the morning after they've done something they regret, it's like a heartbreaking thing, but you also get to say, I love you. Like, let's, let's get lunch today. Let's talk about that. Like, it's not this one and done, like you messed up. It's this beautiful thing of like, come back, come back, come back. Um, and so that's really fun stuff. So that's all I have right now. Thanks so much for listening to the Midlands Young Life Podcast. If you enjoyed this talk, share it with a friend. Leave us a review. This helps other leaders find us and get access to all this awesome resources. Thanks so much.